morning, everyone. My name's John, and this is. I'm Nicole. <laughs> we got all our stuff here. Let's get organized here. I don't want this. Um, we've been uh, part of Solano for many, many years now, um, 10, 11, 12, 20, Depends when like you count. That, right? <laughs> um, we're involved in lots of ministries, have been involved in other things. Um, we've been married 23 years, ooh, ooh. but we've known each other for closer to 40 um, because we met at summer camp. So um, these pictures are always kind of fun to show. Let's see if we've got this here. Yeah. So that's back in the... Um, <laughs> Let that marinate for a minute, apparently. Um, we, <laughs> we have two kids um, that don't live at home anymore, and they um, are here, and we have two pets now because we get lonely. <laughs> and, uh, and we just went to, um, this summer, went to Eastern Canada. So Nicole's Canadian. And we had a little trip to Eastern Canada, Nova Scotia, Prince Edward Island, and Newfoundland. And we went to this little town called Gander. Gander's in the middle of... Does anybody know Gander? Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> so Gander is a, um, it's sort of a, a, a town, a little town in the middle of nowhere. 7,000, 8,000 people or so uh, in the middle of Newfoundland. And on 9-11, when all the planes were coming into, um, coming toward the United States and the United States was closed, um, they all landed in Gander, because Gander has huge long runways. Um, and it was such a, a story, an important story of hospitality that the Newfoundlanders um, showed to all of those who have come from away that a musical was made about it. So we, we saw the musical in New York City, and then um, just this summer we got to go to Gander and go see the airport. So that's what that was there. And Gander is a long way from anywhere. We drove four extra hours out of our way to spend an hour at an airport. But if you're ever in Newfoundland, it's worth it. So I highly recommend. Um, we also love having people over. Um, we have had people over. We've had everything from drop-ins, people knocking on the door to planned. Everything from let's grab a beer in the backyard to celebrating people's big life moments, engagements, graduations, weddings, passings, and beyond. But we do also like to be hosted, too. And so today when we talk about hospitality, we're going to talk a little bit about both of those things. Now, I grew up with a long legacy of hospitality, actually. And even today, if you showed up on Vancouver Island to the town of Parksville, my parents would be happy to welcome you in. My mom would have food in the fridge and a bed that would already be ready for you. And that's just how I grew up. I grew up in a home where people were over all the time. You never knew who was going to be there. Uh, there have been times when I'd come home from school and there'd be people suddenly living in our house for the next six to eight weeks, maybe overnight. Uh, we went to a church fellowship in which people traveled. And when they traveled between the church fellowships, you would stay in one another's homes, the saints' homes. And so um, I grew up knowing that like on Sundays, there would be people coming over. And my mom seemed to really roll with it because she didn't always know who was coming. But I love that she modeled that to me. Uh, she modeled uh, hospitality to the saints and to the stranger. Well, I don't want you to forget that story about the guy who came over. And, yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> I was a teenager, and this couple were staying with us, and um, my mom had to go to work, and so she had given me instructions, like, make sure you take care of them, help them get breakfast, they're leaving after breakfast. And I don't know, I was maybe 15 or 16 years old. And uh, this man said to me, uh, I said, do you need anything else? Can I help you with anything else? Like, my mom had prepared a ton of things. And he said, I would love a poached egg. Now, to this point in my life, I had never had a poached egg, let alone now how to make one. And let me tell you, this was before Google. Um, and so it was just, I think I ended up making him scrambled eggs. But it just was an example of, like, he felt comfortable enough to ask a teenager for poached egg. And I felt comfortable enough to make him something else. What about you, John? What are some examples that you have? Yeah, well, I grew up in um, hosting was important to us, too. <laughs> Our house was um, not always as clean as yours growing up, from what I, from what I imagine. Um, I remember when we were having company on church after, uh, after church on Sundays, 
Sunday mornings, we would be scrambling like crazy, folding the laundry, hiding it, vacuuming the floors, um, setting the table. We would just be doing all the things. I remember that distinctly. I also remember like um, after church, my grandmother would always host people who were from out of town. She would host family. She would make up excuses for why this other person needed to come also. And this is, oh, just in case, this is my grandmother who is also Denise's grandmother who's also Jody's grandmother. This is the same person. So we all kind of grew up this way. But I, I remember that. And we were also, there was a, a vet student at UC Davis that he used to come down. So I went to church in Oakland and he would always come down every weekend. So we would host him every weekend. He sort of became part of our family. So we both kind of grew up with that kind of a, I don't know, open home anyway. But when you think about hospitality, what comes to your mind? What does hospitality mean to you? Or what stories um, can you remember? Would you be willing to just turn to your neighbor? If you don't know them, introduce yourself and just, um, what does hospitality mean to you? Take one minute each, two minutes total, and then we'll share out. Okay, 30 seconds, 30 seconds. All right. Thanks for sharing. Thanks for being friendly with the persons, person next to you, people around you, and front behind you. Does anybody want to share just like a quick definition of hospitality or, or what you remember about hospitality? Would maybe a few of you want to share out? Yeah. You should just yell out and I'll repeat it. That's our sermon, so let's transition into communion. And thank you, Rebecca. I'm just, I'm just kidding. Anybody else want to share? I'm not kidding, but also we'll keep going. Great, thanks. Who else would like to share? Anyone? A couple more people? Yeah, Brett. might have the gift of hospitality if, and we were thinking, you know, if you, if you have the ability to be interrupted in your normal daily rhythm and have people unannounced come over and just 
love on them and make them feel comfortable and provide some nourishment and whatnot. And you can do that with, with joy. Um, nine out of ten times, you have the gift of hospitality, I would say. Yeah. Thanks. Also our sermon. <laughs> Anybody else? Maybe one more person? From this side of the room? I haven't heard from this side of the room yet. I'll wait. Anyone? Um, I, I was distracted, so I don't know what you said. So if, I, if I'm repeating, I apologize. Um, I, I was thinking of non-home spaces. So often we think of hospitality as opening up your home, but it's really opening up a space in your life, whether that's like at meals or anywhere else. Is that what you said? So. Okay, yeah. So, um, but just making people feel cared for and loved, um, even in workplaces and other, you know, other spaces in your life. Um, just welcoming people into your life and doing life with people. Here, I, I'm, I'm not too proud to go back. Can you just say what you said again? <laughs> um, sure. Uh, I was just saying, at, uh, the way I view hospitality is often you're kind of limited by like, oh, people need to come to my house. It, it means entertaining people. And I think it's more like an attitude of whenever I'm have someone in my presence, like how can I create kind of a home for them, even in that conversation? Um, yeah. And I think also, I think that's really nice and freeing to know too, because our lives go through different seasons. Like maybe if you're a college student in a dorm room, you like, you know, hospitality, yeah, I can have someone over, but it's just, yeah, I think it's nice to, especially like living in the Bay Area, sometimes like our houses aren't huge and, and uh, hospitality can just look different for us, so. Do you know how long we spent on this sermon and then you just like say the whole thing just right there? That's... Spoiler alert. <laughs> so today we're going to be going beyond the world of Magnolia, Martha Stewart, and social media influencers. We're not gonna be discussing hospitality as a money-making industry. But today, we're gonna to talk about sojourner, stranger, and saint. The principles, from the, principles and stories from the Old Testament, principles and stories from the New Testament, we're gonna deal with some barriers, we're gonna apply those principles to the heart of hospitality, and then we will share communion together as the ultimate act of hospitality. So Father, we invite you into this space. We know you are here and you are our great host. Thank you for modeling the way you love us and care for us, the way you see us. And so Lord, may this time be for you and from you and to you. In your name we pray. So as we think about the Old Testament, John, what are some of the stories that you think about in the Old Testament that capture hospitality? Yeah, I think that the most, uh, we're in this series about Psalm 23, and Psalm 23 is filled with um, God as our shepherd and how he's making uh, a place for us to feed us, to make us safe, to know us, and all those things. You think about the phrases, you make me lie down, you make me, you, you feed me beside still waters, you prepare a table before me. It's very hospitable, right? So that's the first thing that came to my mind. But there's other stories all through the the Old Testament, you know, I don't think the, the hotel industry was booming, so people stayed with other people, right? Um, Abraham had several people visit him, including one special time when some sort of heavenly beings could have been angels, could have been God himself, could have been Jesus, but some, some form of, of angels and heavenly beings came with a very important message for Abraham. And Abraham hosted them. He hosted them well, and he was blessed from it. There's a story of Elisha, and he kept coming through this town. He was a prophet, and he kept coming through this town. And this woman um, from Shunem, she was like, this guy keeps coming by. We need to make him a space. We need to make him a room. We need to put a table and a lamp in there and a bed for him. And she ended up being blessed because of that as well. I think of um, Rahab, who was um, the, the spies. Joshua sent spies into Jericho. And Rahab kept the men and kept them safe and protected them. And I think about the most, maybe the most famous story to me is about a story um, with David. And David really wanted to honor somebody of the house 
of Jonathan, and his name was? Mephibosheth. Mephibosheth. Let's say Mephibosheth on three. One, two, three. (laughs) But Mephibosheth was lame on both of his feet, and he was unable to, he would not have been a a valuable or valued member of their um, community, and yet David saw fit to bless him host him at his palace, and he got to sit at the king's table, and and I love that story. Um, But really, we're not going to talk about stories um, this morning. There's there's sort of an overarching theme about um, how God instructed um, his people to live, and I know that's really been important to you. Yeah, caring for the sojourner was embedded into the culture at the time of the Old Testament, which was people were to care not only for the sojourner, but also for widows and others in the margins. The children of Israel were not to oppress the sojourner. They were to allow the sojourner to live amongst them. And even regarding rules around Sabbath, they were to include the stranger and the sojourner in that. Now, a sojourner is someone who lives somewhere temporarily or is someone who's in between places. Could be passing through, could be there for a short period of time. And they most likely, a sojourner is like an outsider in the community. Now, the children of Israel were also given instructions to leave food for sojourners at harvest time. They were told not to reap the entire crop, but to leave some behind. As we see in Leviticus 19, do not reap the grain from the edges of the field, which is, of course, made famous in the story of Ruth, nor pick all the grapes from the vine. They were instructed to leave some of the abundance. In Deuteronomy 24, uh, do not harvest your olive trees a second time. Did you know how they harvest olive trees? Is by shaking them or beating them. So they were instructed not to do that a second time. And along with the harvest principles, they were reminded in Deuteronomy 10, love the sojourner, therefore, for you were sojourners in the land of Egypt. So when we think about this word sojourner, it's not a word we use that often. I want you to just take a couple minutes and turn to the person next to you. It can be the same person or someone different. And I want you to think, who might the sojourner or outsider represent today? We're going to take a couple minutes to share, and then we're going to share out. Go. Maybe we'll just take about 30 more seconds. All right. Thank you for sharing with one another. It's a great way to get to know one another. Um, Does anyone have any ideas that they would like to share out? what they think a sojourner or an outsider might represent today. I heard a lot of talking, so I know there was some discussing about this. There are no right or wrong answers. Jim. So I was talking with Miguel that um, it struck me that basically when you were defining sojourner and saying that they're just here, just passing through, that we have you know refugees that come into our country and there's like, polarized opinions about whether we should welcome it or not. But really, like one of the interviews I heard is they don't necessarily want to stay here. They want to go home. And they can't for whatever reason because of financial situations, wars, persecutions, gangs, 
whatever. I mean, if they want to stay here and be part of our society, yeah, we should be welcoming to them. But also honoring the fact that, they, you know, they're not coming here to take. They just want to live. And they, they do want to go home, many of them, so. Thanks, Jim. Anyone else? Brenda. I was thinking that, in a way, we're all sojourners. We're all passing through each other's lives. And I volunteer at the thrift store in Solano, and I think of the customers who come in, and when I'm working the floor, how can I greet them? Or the people that I work one shift a week with, and we share three hours together, what happens in our conversations? Thank you, Brenda. Anyone else? I'm feeling um, sensitive to like the college students as I send my last child off to college and wanting to hopefully for her to find that community where she's going and, and then me being sensitive about those around us as well. It's like we prepped everyone so well for our sermon. I think Vivian too, maybe? Oh, you're raising your hand for Denise. You're her agent? <laughs> All right. Thanks for sharing. Um, yeah, I love those answers. Those were, um, all, of those, all of those were kind of on our list. We were thinking about Cal students and, and immigrants and, and people. I, I would think also this probably applies even further to people on the margins or people who are new to our community or people who are um, maybe new to faith, maybe people who um, walk in the door um, for the first time. Just I feel like a sojourner probably wouldn't have been quite accepted, right? They would have been new to the community. And how are we welcoming those? How are we welcoming um, those who are maybe um, just on the outside, right? Who is on the outside today? I, I feel pretty comfortable with all of you here, but maybe somebody who's here for the first time might not feel that way. I feel pretty comfortable in the city that I've lived in um, comfortably for 20 years, but that doesn't, that doesn't describe everybody. So who are those folks in our community that are that way as well? So in the Old Testament, you know, we hear this word sojourner quite a bit. You never really hear the word hospitality. Um, in the New Testament, um, there is that word hospitality and we looked up what the word hospitality, the root of it, um, and it's this, this word that I had never heard before. Um, philoxenos, I'm sure there's uh, others who can uh, <laughs> pronounce that better or spell it better, so I just did a little copy-paste. This word was unfamiliar to me as hospitality, but there's another word that's a little more familiar. Maybe some of you have heard kind of the opposite of it, and it's xenophobia. If you've heard the word xenophobia... Maybe you know that word is fear of the stranger or fear of the other, right? So this word would obviously be love for the stranger or love for the other as well. So that's sort of the context of the word in the New Testament. And so when we look at the New Testament, probably the most famous um, of the verses in the New Testament is in Hebrews. And it says, do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers for thereby some have entertained angels unawares. And of course, that should like click back to our mind and we'd be thinking about who? Abraham, Abraham right? Abraham entertained angels um, unawares. So um, I, think of, I think of loving the stranger, loving the other. When you hear the word hospitality, that should sort of call back stories from the Old Testament. But really, as we were doing our, our little study and search, um, we sort of saw another theme and maybe a more strong theme in the New Testament. Um, we're not only to watch out for the sojourner, not only to watch out for the stranger, but also each other. The saints. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, not being hospitable to not only the stranger and the sojourner, but also with one another. So in Romans 12, uh, there's a verse that says, contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. If we are in communion with one another and we notice the needs of one another, then we ought to extend uh, love in really practical ways. 
when we see Christ in one another, we're responding kind of like the ancient Benedict rule, which is let all guests be received as Christ. So let me clarify what we mean by saints. The word saint means uh, set apart, holy, sanctified, the holy one. I actually grew up in a church fellowship that referred to all believers as saints. And some of those fellowships still continue today. So um, it's not a word that we often use here at Solano, but it's a word I think we could start using. Uh, also, in First, uh, in first Timothy um, 3, uh, there's the verse, um, an overseer must be be hospitable. Leaders in the church, and in this case, elders and overseers, are charged with the responsibility to be hospitable to the saints and to strangers, which I love is modeled so well here at Solano. I think you guys can agree with me on that. In 1 Peter 4, verse 9, show hospitality one to one another without grumbling. Now, Pastor Andrew has been encouraging us to consider Sabbath and to consider serving as unto the Lord. He's been using that phrase a lot lately, as unto the Lord. Because when we think about hospitality, it's actually a heart attitude. It's an extension of love, and it's an extension of God's love. Yeah, and in a minute, we're going to be talking about some of the barriers. But I just, this verse, um, we were talking about it this week, and I was like, oh, <laughs> we've been showing hospitality, but... I've been showing hospitality. We've been in a season of hosting a lot, and I can't say that I haven't ever grumbled during that season. Like, I feel like people are coming over, and it's affecting my schedule, and I can't do other things because we're doing this thing, and then we have to like straighten up after. And but in our house, like we can't, you can't do anything else until the house is clean. So you can't go to bed until the house is clean. <laughs> You can't do the next activity. You can't go on a bike ride until the house is clean. <laughs> so <laughs> that's included in my, in my grumbling a little bit. And that, I don't know, that's been happening lately to me. Well, and sometimes in our grumbling, we might be grumbling and others might be blessed. Several years ago, we were um, helping a gentleman convalesce in our home post-surgery. And let me just set the scene for you. We have a fairly small house and an even smaller kitchen. And in our kitchen at this time, we had friends over who were playing games at our kitchen table with our kids. Uh, we had a man convalescing that wasn't doing that great. Uh, we have a large dog at the time and a cat. And we had a friend stop by in a great act of hospitality, needed to iron his shirt. Um, and so all of this is happening in the kitchen at the same time as the water heater, which is also in the kitchen, starts leaking onto the floor. And I'm thinking, we're caring for this man who's gonna need to be bathed, and I don't have hot water, and it's the weekend, and why are there so many people in my kitchen? But for the next year and a half, this man would say to me, do you remember that day? Wasn't that a great day? Didn't we have so much fun? <laughs> Um, and so it's just an example, like we can be grumbling and God can still use us in our grumbling, though we are instructed to not actually grumble when we do that. So when we see all these principles working together to welcome the stranger and the saint, to show hospitality without grumbling, that hospitality is a requirement to be a leader, what we're really saying is, I see you. God sees you. You belong there is a place for you at the table. Because by extending hospitality, we are reminding one another, just as it is written in 1 John, we love because he first loved us. All right, last time, friends. You're going to turn to talk to your neighbor. So clearly, hospitality is something we're supposed to be doing, right? But it's not something that's always easy to do. Um, I want you to think about for a minute, what are some of the barriers? What are the, some of the things that make it a challenge or keep us from um, expressing hospitality? You'll have 90 seconds this time. Go.
All right, everybody. What are some barriers? If you're willing to share, you could share some barriers that you've heard. You don't have to bust yourself out. <laughs> but what are some ways that, um, that you feel hospitality can be a challenge? One of the things we didn't mention when we were talking about who is a sojourner, if you include the widow and the orphan, I think a lot of the homeless and the people who are disenfranchised who are outside. And helping the homeless has a lot of fear involved. Right? You don't know what you're getting involved in. It's hard to sort of hard to embrace that. So one of the uh, challenges that I faced uh, in an effort to show hospitality uh, was when I was out one evening, I was uh, in a lounge area and there was a, a young lady who was reading a book and we got to, we got into an interesting conversation about it because um, and I kind of shared uh, a book that I was reading with my brother Miguel. I think we were reading uh, Kingdom Men Rising and I, I kind of shared with her a, a little bit about it, and she was able to realize that I, I was a Christian, and she immediately got offended because she didn't understand why I chose to identify that as my faith because she admitted that she was taken advantage of by people in her congregation that she no longer attends. And I said, young lady, I'm sorry about that, but, you know, I can attest that, you know, the folks here at Solano, they're not in the business of taking advantage of anyone and it we and I was really trying to show that love through through hospitality and you know she just wasn't really open to it so I tried leveling with her one more time by saying okay young lady if this is where you're at in your life when it comes to faith what do you think people should be doing with their lives and she said Devon everybody should be on drugs and I'm just like really and I said, all right, Lord, you know I tried. So I just looked at her and I said, all right, young lady, thanks for sharing that with me. You have a blessed night. So just that's my that was my challenge. It's like running into people who just have just turned away because of whatever experiences that they had. Thanks for sharing that. Uh oh. I'm nervous. Um, I would say just more on like a physical level. I have a tiny house and not enough plates and forks for everybody. And the act of like cleaning up before and the act of cleaning up after and the, it's expensive. And sometimes people stay for like six hours and I want them to leave. And I don't have a great attitude about it, I know. Thank you for sharing. Um, anybody else? Yes. Sorry, I've just made my job difficult. Uh, I think, Nicole, you were sort of touch, touching on this as well, but fundamentally, like, hospitality is a lot of effort. <laughs> um, I'm thinking about, like, my culture where, like, food is a very big part of hospitality. Uh, and I recently graduated, and I'm very quickly learning that cooking is a lot of effort. Um, and it's hard. And if I'm cooking food for someone else, I'm not getting to eat that food. Um, and, like, there's just not a lot of, like, if you think about it, there's not a lot of like personal return on investment, if that makes sense. Like, if if you're if, like sure, if you're hosting like friends, then you still get that like that time with them. You get to like feel good that you've cooked a meal for them. But for like hospitality for strangers, like at the end of the day, I'm not getting anything out of this other than helping this other person whom I don't know to feel welcomed. And that's you know, it's a lot of effort and it's not a lot of personal return on investment. But there's so much more to that. Wow, that's great. All of those, those are all super valid, right? I mean, I, I think it's hard for us to, to say this is why it's hard or this is why I don't do it or this is, you know, it's hospitality is a challenge, right? It requires some sacrifice, right? And I think those things are hard. We did put together a little list of, of these things and, and not to invalidate those things, but, but we did consider some of the barriers that come up. And, and the first one um, that, that we want to address is what if you don't live in a 
you know, a traditional big house that you see, you know, on HGTV or on Magnolia? What, what if your house isn't like that? Or what if you um, live with roommates? Or, you know, what if your just living situation is not that living situation that people do so well? What, what can we, how can we deal with that? Well, I think the classic Sunday school answer is, of course, Jesus was hospitable without a home. But I think actually, you know, that can be kind of cheeky, but at the same time, um, Jesus did really model what it means to be hospitable. Think about the stories. He fed miracles of feeding thousands in a park-like setting. Uh, he broils fish for his disciples at the beach. Even the Last Supper, which we're going to touch on later. There are so many ways for you to consider hospitality outside of your homes, apartments or dorm rooms or wherever you live. I want you to think about parks, beaches, coffee shops, dog parks, Costco, and the list goes on and on. Um, another one is like, um, I, I think I've heard is like comparison, right? I can't do it like Rena or, <laughs> or whoever, like fill in the blank, right? We compare ourselves to other people, right? What, 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 if, what if we're not, you know? Yeah, it's been said, comparison is the thief of joy. And I know a little bit about this. Just this week, we were prepping for a guest to spend the night. And as I was changing out the bedding, I out loud, out loud commented and compared our small bedroom with a bike in one corner and a rower in the other corner to other places I've stayed. I lost sight of the purpose and I allowed jealousy or comparison to sneak in. And this will happen. This has happened. We're human. And yet God has used that little bed in that little bedroom in our small house innumerable year times over the years. We've had like full families share our bedroom with their four kids. All right. What if I'm an introvert? Can I have all the introverts stand up? I'm just kidding. Yeah. What, what if I'm just like, <laughs> what if I really am not comfortable in big groups or I'm ready for people to leave or, you know, how do I? God made us so uniquely and yet he's charged each of us to extend the love of Christ to the act of hospitality. One-on-one -on -one counts as hospitality. Find a fellow introvert, grab a book, and get yourselves to a coffee shop. Am I right, Esther? <laughs> yeah. Um, hospitality does not equal a party. That is the kind of hospitality social media influencers are selling. But really, hospitality is seeing Christ in one another. All right. During the pandemic, we had Saturdays open for days, right? Weekends open, all the time open. That's all gone. I'm looking for a free Saturday in the next two months, and I can't find one. What is going on if my schedule is so busy? Ooh, I think we can all relate a little bit to this. Um, being busy is okay. It's okay. That's okay for a season. But hospitality is really important. It's mentioned numerous times in the Bible, Old Testament principles, New Testament principles. It's important enough to make it a priority and put it on a calendar. If our busyness endures, I think we need to lean into what Pastor Andrew has been preaching and make sure we have a regular rhythm of rest, Sabbath even. I always think of the story of Zacchaeus, like Zacchaeus was the, the short guy, short, who climbed a tree to see Jesus, and Jesus said, actually, Zacchaeus, I'm coming over to your house today. And it just makes me think like, oh, Zacchaeus, I guess he had capacity to host Jesus. We don't hear about Zacchaeus wondering if the laundry was folded or if there was beer in the fridge. He had Jesus over. He had capacity to be flexible. I think that was mentioned earlier as well. What is our capacity to be um, flexible and have people over and maybe swallow our pride around what our house looks like right in that moment? <clears throat> Sorry, the last one. It's expensive. And I heard this one from a couple of you as well. Like, it's expensive. It's a sacrifice of our finances to be hospitable. Hospitality can mean paying the tab. It can also mean preparing a fancy meal. But it can also mean tea in a thermos and a walk in the park. Hospitality is a great act of generosity. But being generous doesn't mean it has to be expensive. Yeah, the, the Bible teaches us if we have much, if we've been given much, then we are to be faithful with much, right? If we've been given little, then we're to be faithful 
with that little. So whatever we have is already a gift from God, and, and we want, we're encouraged to share whatever that amount is with others. Yeah, and if you've been on the receiving end of hospitality, go and ask those people how they do it or if they have tips for you. We all know people who excel at hospitality. This church is littered with people who do it really well. Go talk to them. Ask them how they do it. Now, hospitality is not just a meal. It's not just a place to sleep. While hospitality includes food and shelter, it's also about relationship. In Luke 7, Simon the Pharisee has Jesus and others over for a meal. And at some point, a woman, who was noted was a sinner, shows up and begins to wash the feet of Jesus. And as she washes his feet, she begins to weep. And with the tears, she washes his feet. And then she dries his feet with her hair and anoints his feet with perfume from her alabaster jar. That's generosity. Simon is alarmed. And Jesus, in the way he always turns the situation into a teachable moment, says to his host, do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet, but she with her tears has washed my feet and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but she has not stopped kissing my feet since I came in. You didn't anoint my head with olive oil, but she anointed my feet with perfume. Yeah, Simon was the host, and, and we bring this up because this is a story about hosting where the host may have kind of missed the point, right? Jesus reprimands the host. And Simon had Jesus over and, and some others, I imagine, fed a pretty good meal, right? But he's reprimanded because I think he missed the heart of hospitality. And this was mentioned earlier as well, but if all we're doing is feeding people, then we're missing out on the heart of hospitality. Um, this woman understood that. Um, where the host didn't in this case. And so when we, as we sort of land the plane here and transition into the heart of hospitality, there is a practical side to hospitality, food, shelter, right? But there's also a spiritual side, and that's relationship as well. So at the heart of hospitality, meals are important. Let's, let's not underestimate. Meals are important. John Montcomer said, Jesus did not go around merely talking about eating and drinking. He went around eating and drinking a lot. The New Testament is so full of stories about Jesus going to a meal, at a meal, or coming from a meal. And then um, let's talk about our calendars really quickly as well. Think back to that Old Testament principle. The Old Testament principle of not harvesting all of your grain, but leaving some for the sojourner. If we think about that as our time, let's think about saving some of that time, saving some of our energy, saving some of our resources for the sojourner. Hospitality is a spiritual discipline or practice. A practice is a rhythm of life in which we, we center our lives around Christ. Things like attending church, serving, praying, Sabbath, the list goes on. Hospitality is also a rhythm in which we create space for friends and strangers to know the welcoming spirit of Christ. We may not always reap a benefit. I think this kind of goes back to what Nick was saying. We may not always reap the benefit. We may not always see the blessing. We may not even know that we've hosted angels. One of my favorite references in the New Testament captures the essence of hospitality. This idea that in sharing the gospel of Christ and living out your faith, you not only share in word, but also in action. When stranger becomes neighbor and neighbor becomes friend. And that's 1 Thessalonians 2. We cared so much for you that we were pleased to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our lives because you had become dear to us. Yeah, I just was reading this article. It was just in Christianity Today, I think this week actually, um, and I loved it. I'm just going to read this little quote because it talks about opening our lives. It says, the purpose of hospitality isn't to showcase our homes or prove our worth. It's not about our pride, identity, or marketability, or what others think about us. It's about opening our lives and homes wide to demonstrate the love of Christ. 
It's about dying to ourselves so others may be served through us. Just as Jesus threw open the doors of heaven for his brothers and sisters and ministered to the poor, the ailing, the sick, and the outcast. You see, hospitality can be radical and extravagant. It can be practical and ordinary. Hospitality is all those adjectives. Food and shelter are practical and ordinary. But also when we sacrifice for the sake of the gospel and for the sake of relationship, it's radical. It's extravagant. When we practice hospitality, we are saying, I see you, we see you, God sees you in all your belovedness, and you are welcomed, loved, and known. And one of, just going to leave you with one of these last quotes from Henry Nouwen. Hospitality is not to change people, but to offer them spaces where change can take place. Nicole's been talking about Henry Nouwen, I can attest, for 30 years or so. But uh, that, that is really striking to me, just providing a space for change to take place. Even if we think about this room here, it's called a sanctuary, right? How are we welcoming people in? How are we welcoming newcomers in? Is it a space where change can take place? We are Solano, folks. It's not just like him and him. We are Solano. How are we making Solano, a place where change can take place. Um, when I think about our home groups, we call them home groups for a reason. We intend that they, for the most part, happen in a home. And we feel like the home is a place, it's a setting where that intimacy can grow, right? Where we're sharing our very lives with each other, right? Even think about the picnic today. Is there a way for us to be hospitable with each other at the picnic today? How can we bring others in, right? We can share our food, sure, that's good. But how are we bringing others in and sharing our lives? All right, um, just to go back, remember we started in the Old Testament. We started with some stories. We talked about Abraham and angels, David and Mephibosheth. We talked about caring for the sojourner. We moved into the New Testament. We talked about sharing um, our lives with strangers and saints as well. We talked about overcoming some barriers, things that are really um, real and valid. But then we came back to what's at the heart of hospitality, right? Not just food and shelter, but relationship as well. Um, it is the first Sunday of the month, and so each first Sunday of the month, we have a little time for prayer, a little extra time for prayer. Um, and so the prayer team's going to come up, and we want to encourage you um, to come and, and be prayed for or be prayed with. Um, and you can pray for some of these ideas here. Um, how has God been hospitable to you? What is God calling you to individually? What are some ways that we can be more hospitable at Solano? Or how can you be more hospitable in bringing in the sojourner or the stranger or the saint. These are some ideas for prayer. You can come up for whatever else you want um, prayer for. Um, it's all fair game. Um, but we're going to transition into communion here in just a moment, Lord. Being hospitable um, is, a, is, a, is something that you've asked us to do. And we've admitted today that it's not always easy. There are barriers to it. But Father, we see um, the way that Jesus um, was hospitable to those around him. We see the way that you have given us a seat at your table, the ways that you have brought us in. And so now would you help us this week, this month, this year, to open our lives, to die to ourselves, and bring others in um, the way that you've done to us. Um, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. If we consider that prior to his crucifixion, Jesus' final act of hospitality was around a table, a gathering. The event was Passover, but it was the meal, the simplicity of bread and wine, not roast lamb, but everyday items found in homes everywhere. It was not his home, but rather the home of another, food prepared by others and yet offered to all in hospitality, for sojourner, for stranger, for saint. In the Gospel of Luke 22, it was the day of unleavened bread, what we call Passover. And Jesus sends Peter and John ahead to make preparations. 
the lamb, the location, the food. They were given instructions to enter Jerusalem and follow a man carrying a water jug back to his home. There in a furnished guest room, they were to prepare the Passover meal. They did so. Fast forward to later in the meal, which lands us at verse 14. When the hour came, he reclined at the table, the apostles with him. Then he said to them, I have fervently desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat again until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. Then he took a cup, and after giving thanks, he said, take this and share it among yourselves. For I tell you, from now on, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took the bread, he gave thanks, broke it, and gave it to them and said, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he also took the cup after supper and said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. We're going to share communion together now. Um, and we want to serve you today. So Nicole and I will be um, down at the stations here. You can take a cracker and dip it in the juice, or you're welcome to take one of the um, little containers, or there's gluten-free um, as well. Um, I'm going to call the prayer team up as well. I want to encourage you to come and pray, be prayed for, be prayed with. Um, and we're going to uh, thank Jesus, and then let's share this little meal together. Jesus, thank you for giving your body for us. Thank you for giving your blood for us. Thank you for, show, thank you for showing us hospitality. Thank you for loving us when we were strangers. Thank you for sacrificing for us and bringing us in. We love you. We bless you. It's in your name that we pray. Amen.